Good day and welcome to the Football Cavalcade with John Dooley. Another week of college football. Oh, it was so beautiful. Did you hear the news? Did you hear the amazing news about me? I got a year older over the weekend. I'm 42 years of age. Oh my God. What an amazing time to be alive. It was beautiful this weekend in the Midwest. I was able to get outside the house, go for a walk, get some sun, take care of some stuff in my house. I got some donuts. Also, big reminder for all of you, there's a big difference between the second and third donut. I mean, donuts are delicious. I mean, don't get me wrong, but when you're having the yeast ones and not the cake ones, and you finish that second one, especially like the chocolate frosted ones, if you get it from like a good bakery. And then your body's just saying, yes, I can have a third one. I can have that glazed. You can't. You can't have the glazed. It doesn't work. You're going to sit down. It's going to feel really good for like 15 minutes. You're going to be like, that's delicious. And then guess what happens? Just about 15 minutes after that, start running into some problems. Not good. You don't want it. So once again, welcome to the football cavalcade. You know, we've been thinking about changing the title of this because I was doing some research over the weekend. And did you know people in Kansas refer to themselves as being from the Midwest, like even more so than any other state? And I was like, we don't talk about Kansas schools during this podcast. I mean, how upset are they? They're probably searching for it online, especially with the Jayhawks being good now. They're like, we got to find a college football podcast. The Jayhawks are good. And they search and they find mine. They're like, oh, he's definitely going to talk about Kansas. It's the Midwest football cavalcade. Only to find just another dude in Illinois or Indiana who's still using the terminology of the 1830s considering our area the midwest even though when you look at a map we're definitely mid-east what would even be midwest now right that'd be like colorado utah i mean that would be the middle of the west right i don't know really upsetting so it got me thinking because other people came up to me and they said Yeah, I listened to the cavalcade. They're just calling it the cavalcade. I thought to myself, well, if they're calling it the cavalcade, then I should just call it the cavalcade. We are all in the cavalcade right now. You're listening to this as a part of the cavalcade. So feel good about that. Feel good about yourself. Next week's a big week. You know, we're getting polls next week. Oh, I love polls. You know me and polls. I love a good poll. We're getting a poll next week, but we're getting the playoff poll. They're doing the playoff poll. Everybody's going to be sitting in that room. I don't know how the heck they do that thing again. Meeting in some bunch of old dudes and some ladies as well. They meet in a hotel room and then they like stay there for like three months. They don't leave. I don't even know if they see their families. And they come out with like the the smoke. You know, they, they, they shake the incense out into the crowd and... Three plumes of white means Georgia's number one. Two plumes of blue means Duke. Oh, wait, I'm thinking of the Pope. I'm sorry. No, it's just, um, yeah, they, they get together and they figure out who the top teams are and do all that jazz. And this has been a weird year, man. How about just college football as a whole? It's just strange. The whole thing's odd. I just feel icky. Everything's weird. Nothing feels right. We want to sit here and say Georgia's the best, and then we watch a couple games and we're like, eh. We watch Bama. We're like, they got to be number one, and then eh. And now Tennessee, right? Tennessee, oh, but they got a test this week, which we're going to talk about a little bit later as well. So we're going to talk about what we do on the podcast, if this is your first time, is we mainly focus as to what goes on in the traditional Midwest. The Midwest of your grandfather's. So that would be the Big Ten. We even talk a little Mac, and we talk a little Notre Dame, and then we talk a little, yes, Missouri Valley Football Conference, because those are the most important things in the world. 
those definitely are. So next week, we'll be looking at making uh, some preview on the poll. And as a matter of fact, we're thinking of doing a preview of my own poll. Well, that sounded weird. Scratch that. We're going to have to go back and erase that. I don't know. There won't be a preview of my poll, but I, I tell you this much. I'm going to make my own poll. And here's the thing. Here's why. I have a, I have a system. I don't know if you guys know this. I've been, I've been, I've been uh, collecting data. I've been collecting data. I've been collecting computerized data for different teams across the United States. And I got my own system. It's called the Dooley Ranking System. It's the DRS. It's what it is, the DRS. You might see DRS and think of doctors. When you see DRS from, near on, from here on out, you'll be thinking of the Dooley Rating System. That's where I make my own top 25 because I know more about football than anybody else in the world. And the computer system are my eyes that tell me who the top teams are. And that's how we do the rankings. And that's right. You probably thought I was going to say something about some crazy. I don't got a crazy system. I just know more about football than most people. So we're going to talk about it, all right? Also, just to let you guys know, I'm recording this in a box. And uh, I just hope that it doesn't sound weird because I got this weird thing going on. And now I'm realizing there's static that's being created by this paper that I need to tape to this sheet. All right, we are back. We got a lot of fun information that we're going to be talking about this week. Um, Iowa took care of Ohio State 54-10. to 10. Uh, Not sure I've seen a team score 50 points that uh, the offense wasn't really overwhelmingly impressive. Did you know Ohio State got 37 points off of turnovers? And I'm including turnovers on downs with that too, by the way. Iowa going for it on fourth down. 37 points off of that. Six turnovers. Iowa has a non-functioning offense. It's not a real offense. It's not a college football offense. And um, this was pretty... Pretty depressing for them. Uh, but I don't know if anybody saw the. If you're able to watch the game, uh, Iowa was able to take a five-three lead early. Five-three, uh, a seven-three lead early on a defensive touchdown. After that took place, uh, the rest of the half was a disaster. Now, Ohio State didn't really run up the score. Stroud didn't have his quintessential performance. The defense just did whatever they wanted to on Iowa at will. Five sacks, six turnovers, three fumble recoveries, three interceptions. Also, let's talk about Ohio State's passing game, by the way, again, doing whatever they want without Jackson Smith and Jigba. They have enough with with, uh, Fleming and Egbuka and Harrison. Iowa going one for 13 on third down. It was all turnovers and field position. It really wasn't the fact that Ohio State dominated this game in the traditional sense. Iowa just couldn't do anything on offense to the point that it affected what was taking place on the scoreboard as well. I don't think I've seen a team go three for 13 on third down and score more than 50 points or, or win by 44 points. That's insane. Uh, they made the change. From Petrus to Padilla in the second half, Padilla comes in the game for Iowa, and it wasn't a blowout yet when this happened. But first snap, first snap, he fumbles the snap, turns it over to Ohio State. Next time he gets the ball, second play, he throws an interception. I mean, just a nightmare. They can't do anything. And you got to feel sorry for guys like Laporta who's a really solid tight end. I think he had another like six catches for 60 yards or whatever and had a couple nice plays. But he can't do anything. He just can't do anything with that squad. And uh, they're lost. If you're Kirk Ferentz, you wonder, you know, a couple years ago, you're able to win the Big Ten. Everybody loves you. Everybody, you know, you're a legend in Iowa City, throughout the state of Iowa. And now you have to be wondering, what are you doing? You're not just ruining your name. 
You're ruining your family's name because of the relationship that he has with with his family members that he has given uh, some unfortunate level of trust in. And it's really hurt the team. They're in a really bad place. And when you look at the Big Ten West, it's not just about Iowa being in a bad place. You start wondering, you know, man, is Wisconsin going to pick things up? Is Leonard really the guy? P.J. Flex such a good motivator in Minnesota. I know they struggled these last couple of weeks. Is Bielema really the dude at Illinois? You've got all of these challenges that you really didn't have a couple years ago. It was just you and Wisconsin kind of going at it. Guess what? It's not like that anymore. Northwestern's got a pretty damn good recruiting class coming in now. There's a lot of things to think about. A lot of things to think about. And everybody's just waiting for Nebraska to get that next great coach. It's not the same world for Iowa anymore. It's just really depressing. Now, I said in the podcast a couple weeks ago, don't judge any game against Ohio State that your team plays because they are just so far and away better than any other team in this conference. And yes, I am talking to you Michigan fans as well. They are so much better than any other team in this conference. You just can't look at what happens on the field. The talent level is is just not there. But the fact of the matter was, is Iowa's defense, you know, they competed in the game. They were there. If you watched the game, they competed in that game. They kept them in that game a little bit. I, I use that term loosely, kept them in the game. You never got the feeling that they were really going to challenge for the win. But at least they kept it somewhat competitive for a little bit of time there before Ohio State ran away with it. So it's just, that's a special ineptitude as an offense where you're so bad that it sets up your defense for failure. You know, Ohio State was getting the ball at the 30-yard. They only had 30, 40 yards to go into Iowa's defensive credit. Most of their points they were giving up were just through field goals. But 37 points from turnovers and turnover on downs. Ohio State outscored Iowa in the turnover game of that margin, 37-7. to Let's switch gears. And when I say switch gears, we are switching gears. Because you go from Ohio State with their national championship aspirations. And we're going to spend more time, by the way, on, other, on, on Ohio State and other podcasts that we do. We've talked about them a lot. So if you're a Bucks fan, you're like, why doesn't he talk about Ohio State more? I like his podcast, but he doesn't talk about the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes are the best, and they, they can win the national title. I'm going to talk about the Buckeyes. We're going to get there. We've been mentioning them. We've been speaking their praises all year. And uh, I, why do I say we, by the way? What is that about? That is so strange. Like, I've got a partner here that I'm doing this with. I think we're in a conversation. I think that's what it is. You're driving your car, you're going to work, maybe you're going to a practice. I don't know where you're going. Choir rehearsal. I don't know. Whatever exciting thing you've got going on in your life. I got a relationship with you. We're friends. We're buddies. Even if you don't know me, I like you. You like football. If you like football, then I like you. It's that simple. I don't understand people who don't like football. I really don't. I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't know people who don't like sports. You know these people? Oh, my God. Weird. Weird. Strange people. I I will never under... Could you imagine not liking sports? Anyway, Indiana played Rutgers. Uh, The Hoosiers had a quick 14-0 lead in this game, and it looked like it was over. I mean, it looked over. It was like 14-0 five minutes into the game. And Rutgers comes from behind and holds on to win 24 to 17. They reap the benefits of their new offensive coordinator. And this was a Shiano special, by the way. This is how he likes to win games. He doesn't panic. He's one of those guys. He gets down early in a game. He doesn't say, well, we're going to change what we're going to do. He continues to pound the ball. And in this game, 50 carries for 192 yards. Uh, Noah Vidrol was back. He looks like the guy. His numbers aren't great, but when you watch them play, you go, oh, yeah, he's the guy. You know, that Evan Simon and Wimsett, and they're, they're solid players, and they each have different uh, skill sets, but Bedrol's the guy. They got a guy on defense, Izian. He's good, too. They've got some athletes on Rutgers. Like, you watch them. Crookshank, obviously, had a big punt return that was called back that was for a touchdown. 
he is such a great he's one of the he might be one of the best athletes in the entire conference. He reminds me, I'm gonna go in the wayback machine. And I should have a uh I should have like one of those um visuals for this. Lee Gissendanner. Oh, we're going back. We're going back to Lee Gissendanner and Northwestern in the early 90s. There's only four people who know what I'm talking about. But yeah, Crookshank reminds me of him. He used to return kicks, receive balls. He was a good, him and Len Williams, Lenny and the Cats. Oh, they had some fun three, seven, and one teams in Evanston. Anyway, um, first Big Ten home win for the Rutgers since 2017 when they beat Maryland. And uh, they did it pounding the ball. And once again, this is the problem with Tom Allen's offense, by the way. 42 attempts. For, for Basilic, 210 yards. Uh, it, it's amazing. This guy loves passing for like four and a half yards per attempt. They're like addicted to it there. It's like Indiana needs to have this. So anyway, really upsetting uh, if you're an Indiana fan. And if you're a Rutgers fan, you just feel like, oh, God, we needed it. We needed that break. I brought up a little bit earlier on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that I think Shiano's view of this Rutgers team is a little skewed. I think he thinks that this team's better than what they are. But hey, they came through. They got the win. Put themselves in a position where maybe the things go the right way. They can squeak their way into a bowl. So we'll see what happens. That would be a massive success for Rutgers here in 2022. The next game we're going to take a look at, Purdue and Wisconsin. Oh, this was my game of the week. Remember I was complaining last week about the times of the games and I wanted this one to be the nighttime game. Holy cow. Lights out. Lights out. Uh, Wisconsin wins 35 to 24. And Leonard definitely got his guys ready to play. I mean, that's really what this is all about, right? And it wasn't even that close. I mean, this was, this was, uh, 35 to 10 before he could breathe or 28 to three before he could look the other way. 21 to nothing really early. Uh, Wisconsin came back too after a tough loss. Boy, that really tells you a lot. I think of a young coach. This is a young coach who just lost a really tough game to Michigan state. I mean, it was a heartbreaking game. Not a lot of people saw it because there were like nine other great games going on at the same time. It was that insane day of college football about a week ago or so. And, uh, you know, he got it and rallied them back together and they were able to come through and they were able to win this game and be dominant. I've mentioned before that Wisconsin has just been nagged by injuries and it's, it hasn't really been big names. It's just been a lot of their depth. I think they've had nine tight ends get hurt this year. I'm exaggerating. It's not nine, but it feels like they've had nine tight ends go out this year. They got, they finally got Riley Mallman back on their offensive line. Uh, getting him healthy has been pretty big. And they got their running game going. I know Braylon Allen's not a traditional Wisconsin running back. He seems like he runs a little bit higher. He's not as low to the ground as those other Wisconsin backs that we remember. But still, he did a fantastic job. Great game plan. And um, Purdue struggling on defense again. Remember, the big thing we talked about for, about Purdue for a long time was the fact their lack of a running game and not being able to put teams away. Now... It looks like they might have that. They finally got a running back who's able to do these things. And um, now, now the issue is the defense. You got Maccabee and you're like, all right, here it is. We got a running game. And now all of a sudden, whoop, can't do anything about it. So this was a rough loss. And, and Aiden O'Connell, he still even threw a couple of pretty great balls in the game, but... Uh, Oof. Jake Torchio loves playing against Purdue, by the way. My God. He was all over the field. He was a monster. Um, but it was 14-0. Talk about two games that went a different way, right? We just talked about Indiana went up 14-0 and Rutgers never panicked. It was 14-0 and Purdue looked like a deer in headlights. They were like, ah, I don't know what to do about this. I don't know what we're going to do now. 
So for Purdue, listen, it's all still it's all still there for everybody in the Big Ten West if they want to win that side. It certainly would help if Illinois would lose a game here and there, especially this week against Nebraska, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But that was a, that was a pretty rough one. Wisconsin getting back on track. It's a huge win for Leonard. It's not to exaggerate. It's it's a big win for the program. It really is. You reestablishing yourself at home as well. Getting Madison to be a that home field advantage and everything that comes with it. And then if you're a Purdue fan, it's just got to be frustrating because you feel like the second that you're on the doorstep, someone's always there to pull out the rug out from, from underneath you. We're going to take a break here for just a second, and I will be back here in just a moment with the rest of the Big Ten slate. All right, we are back here at the Cavalcade, ready to talk about our additional Big Ten games. I don't know how these transitions sound. I hope these transitions sound okay. I know this, you might be thinking to yourself, what the heck is going on with this recording? I think he stopped earlier, and then he had a sandwich, and he came back, or... Like, what's going on with this? Trust me, we're going to get through this together. You grab my hand, I'll grab yours. We're friends in football. That's who we are. We are friends together, whatever the weather. Uh, Maryland defeated Northwestern 31-24. to So Brendan Sullivan came in for Northwestern. He was in uh, for all of you uh, Ryan Holinsky fans. Oh, I know. I know this podcast is filled with Ryan Holinsky fans, by the way. I know most of America is filled with Ryan Holinsky fans. I know most dinner tables are usually talking about Ryan Holinsky and uh, just what a shame it is that he's no longer quarterbacking for Northwestern. Brendan Sullivan was a mixed bag. Uh, He was all right. I feel so bad for Evan Hall. He's a genuinely solid football player. It's a little bowling ball, 20 carries for 119, four catches for 31. Man, Bryce Gallagher's on their defense. This dude's a legit ball player. So Bryce Gallagher for Northwestern at 16 tackles. Uh, two and a half TFLs, one and a half sacks. Uh, and the D didn't play that bad. Like Northwestern was in this game. And I know, I know Talia was hurt. Or as they say, Talia. And uh, Edwards was in for the Terps. It just didn't matter. A Hemby is a beast. This dude's a low-key monster. We've been talking about Corum all year. Dude, Hemby is a beast. There was only a couple plays away from them in that Michigan game, man. They were right there. People tend to forget. You know, I've been talking up Maryland all year, and unlike Minnesota, P.J. Fleck, letting me down all year after all I did was talk you up, talk about how great you were, talk about your wonderful vests and zip-up sweaters and perfectly quaffed bald head and everything that you stand for, and you just completely don't show up. Anyway, we're not going to talk about the Gophers here. Uh, Hemby was 24 for 179 and three touchdowns. And uh, for those who didn't follow the game, Northwestern had this great drive to tie the game at 24. And he just kind of got the feeling, wow, Northwestern really put it together on the road against a decent team. Look at this. They're finally putting it together. Good for them. In the next play after the touchback, Hemby goes 75 yards. Just a tough run and speed too. Power and speed this guy has. And they come right back in a big pick by Sullivan. Um, Well, I mean, Sullivan had a couple big ones. I mean, he had the pick after that touchdown, and then he also had a pick right after halftime. This was a 17-10 Northwestern lead at the half, and he comes right out. Here you go, guys. Boop. And he throws an interception, which turns into a Maryland touchdown that then ties the game. Just... Just the mark of a bad team. Just the mark. This is what bad teams do. And remember what I've been saying about Maryland these last couple of weeks. You got to start doing the thing where you beat bad teams. If you're going to be the team that wants to be the top half Big Ten team and be looked at as a football factor, which, I mean, that's what everybody wants in life, right? You want to be looked at as a football factor. You walk around your neighborhood have people look at you and go, there's a football factor right there. That's how Maryland wants to be looked at. They want to be respected. Believe it or not, these, for me, are the wins that go the long way, right? You don't look at your schedule and go, oh, my God, I can't believe they lost to these guys. So Maryland took care of business and did it with a backup quarterback. So good for them. The other big game that was on Saturday night was an absolute whooping, 
and the uh, the state of Pennsylvania was a uh, rocking. If you're a, a Philadelphia area slash Penn State person, you had to be doing cartwheels because the Phillies are going to the World Series and Penn State just pounded Minnesota. And uh, Clifford looked fantastic, right? He threw for 295 and four touchdowns. The problem with Minnesota is they didn't have Tanner Morgan in this game. And when you don't have Tanner, now let's be honest, Tanner Morgan's not a world beater by any stretch of the imagination, but Penn State could really focus on on, on Mo Ibrahim. And uh, they were able to. They were able to key on him. You know, he still got his his yards, but it just wasn't the same. Minnesota wasn't able to do much on offense. And Singleton and Allen are low-key, one of the nice uh, dual threat backfields in the Big Ten. They've done a really good job. Now, Michigan kind of took it to them and I think exposed a couple things on their defense and especially their front seven because, you know, this is really a tough road to hoe playing from behind as a backup quarterback against that Penn State defensive backfield, which I've been talking about all year. I think they've got arguably the best secondary in the Big Ten. It's easily top three. It might be, you know, I think top two. Uh, I know Michigan State was originally supposed to be up there too, but, you know, they've had so many injuries on defense. But for me, this was a great win. This was a great win for Penn State and uh, and should make their fans feel good. Should make them feel a little better because they're going to need it going into next week. Now, I still want to remind everybody, it's still college football and anything can happen. But uh, yeah, not sure about this one though. All right, what else do we have going on? We went through the Big Ten games, right? Because we talked about Wisconsin, we talked about Penn State, we talked about Minnesota and Maryland and Northwestern. Illinois was idle. Nebraska was idle. The Michigans were idle. And we'll be talking about those in just a little bit. Quietly, because remember, we talk about football throughout the Midwest, so we're going to talk about the Mid-American Conference for just a second. There was probably, in my estimation, a MAC championship preview you probably didn't hear a lot about it but buffalo was playing toledo Buffalo's probably going to win the east and toledo's probably going to be uh, win the west and uh it lived up to the expectations the bulls get the win 34 to 27 good win for buffalo they're now four and zero in the mac east they're in the driver's seat i think toledo still talent wise has the best team in the mac northern has been a massive disappointment we thought they were just turning things around after a pretty impressive win against a, 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 what I think is a really good Eastern Michigan team, and they just laid an egg against Ohio. They've just been doing this all year. They lost 24-17. Uh, Eastern Michigan beat Ball State. Kind of got the feeling the winner of that game was going to be in a good spot as far as the Mac West was concerned. So Right now, the East is all Buffalo, but Ohio and Bowling Green are uh, nipping at their heels, and I think Toledo's going to take the West. So that's really your Mac review. You know what's another review that we got to talk about? Halloween. Oh, my God. It's coming up, right? So this weekend's a big weekend. We got college. There's an, We're in Illinois, so we got some big high school games going on. So I'll be checking out the high school games because I'm a football nerd. I'm not just here for college football. I know a lot of you who listen to the podcast listen to this because you're big into college football. That's your thing. You want to talk about college football. And we'll talk about some stuff nationally in just a little bit as well with the games coming up next week. But I just, you know, I love all football. I got a, uh, my son's baseball coach. He's, he's got a, uh, they got a team. I, you know, I'll listen. I'll listen. If they put that online or if it's like on YouTube, like I would honestly watch the game. I'd just be like, when are you guys playing? Send me the link. I'll watch. I love seeing those little videos, dude. Those are the best. There's nothing like watching like someone who's like, you know, because everybody at that age, everybody's under six feet tall. So it's it's almost like sometimes it's like watching the little, uh, you remember the thing you used to get every Christmas? You turn on the power thing and then it would make the players go and it would be like the electronic football board. Yeah, it's like that. I love it. Um. What else do we have going on? Oh, I was going to talk about Halloween candy. That's what was on my thing. My, my favorite, because you guys should probably know where I stand on Halloween candy, what my thoughts are. So I got some things, my, my, my go-tos. Got my microphone. Turn my mic on. What do we got here? Oh, my always goods. 
the ones that are good for me and the no-nos. The always goods are Snickers, uh, Baby Ruth, Butterfinger. And by the way, low key, Fifth Avenue is like what Butterfinger wishes it was, right? You ever had Fifth Avenue? That's the best. I love that. So Fifth Avenue, Loki's there. By the way, Three Musketeers, Milky Way, get that out of here. Just get it out. Just give it to Grandma. Just drop it off at Grandma's Milky Way. Three Musketeers, get out of here. What even is that? It's not even a candy. This is like air. They just put air and coated it in chocolate. We don't want that. And then I got some stuff for me. I got Kit Kats. I'm a big Kit Kat guy. So Kit Kats are... And then I am in the Mounds Almond Joy campus. That's where I'm at. I go to that school. So if you're looking for a school that I go to, it is the Mounds Almond Joy University. I know some people listen to this are saying to themselves, well, you must be a pile of trash. Well, I'm telling you right now I'm not. I'm a good human being. I just happen to like coconut. So my no-nos are this. I hate stuff that chew, that the chewy stuff that sticks in your mouth, which is weird because I like toffee. Probably like, how can you like toffee and then not like to do, like dots, you know, D-O-T-S. I know I'm from the Chicago area, so I say dots, uh, D-O-T-S dots. Uh, no, no, just if I go to your house and you hand, you're handing me some dots, that's going right back in your face. There's not, well, this is a no, this is trick or treat. Well, there's, there's your trick. Give me some actual treats. Not having your dots. Uh, anything that's chewy that sticks, sugar daddies, any of that stuff, get out of here. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to do to me? Give me something I can actually eat. Anyway, brings out, and I'm not a big fruit guy either. Like I'll have Skittles. I'll have Starburst. I got no problem with that. Laffy Taffy. I enjoy all those things, but I, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to bend over backwards for I never sit thinking to myself, oh, man, I really need some Skittles. I need like a sweet fruit. I never think of that stuff. I don't know. Some people say I'm sweetie and fruity enough as it is. Oh. Anyway, moving along. So we talked about our Halloween stuff. What else is going on? Oh, my God. We got to talk about Notre Dame. Oh, my God. You guys know I love talking about my Irish. Oh, man cut my brain open and scoop out what's inside. Uh, so Notre Dame won their game. They did win. And if you hear some weird sounds right now, I apologize. I'm still figuring out this booth. Uh, 44 to 21. Drew Pine was fine. He was fine. Everything was fine. The defense was fine. Freeman was fine. Mayor was fine. Everybody was fine. Everything was okay. There was a lot of sloppiness in the game. The uh, the fourth and short where then they get the penalty and then they decide to still go for it and then they throw a pick and it's a terrible pick. And Pine overthrowing guys and missing guys that were wide open. Them trying to make a statement against UNLV by passing up field goals to get touchdowns. Keep it. Keep it. You need to score points and win by as much as you can. There is no time for cute stuff. You lost the cute stuff. There's no cute stuff anymore. You lost it home to Marshall. There's no cute stuff. You lost it home to Stanford. There's no time for cute stuff. We're not doing cute stuff anymore. What is this? Oh, I have a tough time with it. I'm being honest with you guys. I know that the other opinion is, you know, John, you need to slow down. He needs his own recruiting class. You know, they need to get their offense in order. They obviously don't have the QB that they want. My retort to that is, uh, where is this quarterback coming from? You can talk to me all you want about who they recruited or who's coming in. There's nobody showing up against that schedule their first year and delivering the way that the alumni want that quarterback to deliver. That's not going to happen. So that's kind of scary to me. I that I know what the right answer is. I know that the patient way is the right answer on it. I know that. I know that in my heart. I know that in my heart and I know that in my brain. But as a fan, it's just really tough. It's really tough to watch right now because this team should be six and one. And they're not that good. 
the fact of the matter is, is that their, their schedule is much, much, much worse than we thought. At least the, the front half, I should say, is, is worse than we thought. Marshall and Stanford are like legitimately bad teams. BYU might not be good. Like, four and three is not okay. It's just not acceptable. And now you got Syracuse and Clemson on the docket? Dude, I don't know what to tell you. You still got USC. Oh, no. I'm not feeling good. I'm really not. I'm not even feeling good about the six wins. I just don't feel good about any of it. I just, I still can't get over it. Both of those games, the Marshall and the Stanford game. I can't, oh, oh my gosh. Um, this is old Weiss era stuff. This is like, we didn't know what Central Michigan was going to bring. We didn't, we weren't sure. Tulsa, I mean, you know, they run a different offense. I don't, I don't need to hear this stuff anymore. So that is our review of our games. We're going to come back after a little bit of a break, and we will talk about next week's games. Oh, it's exciting. Talk to you guys in just a moment. And we are back with, uh, what part is this? Part six? It is part six of the nine-part story on the dragons of Westeros. I don't know what that's. I don't less. I don't watch any of them dragon shows. I never fell for the vampire stuff, and I don't watch the dragon stuff. So, you know, whatever that is. Once again, this stuff is moving in my little box. This is like the biggest nightmare in the world. This has been a disaster. So we found a new space that's supposed to help out with the sound which I think it does sound better because I've been listening. I've been testing out the recordings. It sounds better. But then there's these little like things that happen. There's things that slip through. So if you saw what I looked like right now, oh my gosh, you would just have an absolute, I don't know, you would laugh. Um, let's get back to the Missouri Valley Football Conference because I, I do want to keep you guys up to date as to what's going on in there. Uh, for a few listeners that follow that, that is FCS football. And what's taking place there? Obviously, last week, the huge news was South Dakota State upsetting North Dakota State. But then this week, South Dakota State came back and kind of loosened up a little bit. And North Dakota, who's got a really good team, by the way, and has been winning like crazy since their original loss to SIU. They're charging for the Valley title, and they jumped out to a big lead on the Jackrabbits. But the Rabbits came back and won, and uh, SDSU Pretty clear the number one team in FCS in the entire country right now as they kind of took over that. But I think North Dakota showed a lot and proved that they they probably belong in that playoff talk as well. The big news from last week, though, was SIU just laying an egg up in South Dakota in a game that everybody knew was a trap game. And everybody was talking about the fact it was a trap game because South Dakota has played the toughest schedule in all of FCS. I think they've played something like three of the top five teams on top of uh, an FBS opponent. Uh, so they've played a really tough schedule, and they've got a pretty good defense. And Southern just blew it. Southern was up 21-7. They wound up losing the game 27-24. It is devastating for Southern's playoff hopes. They fall to 5-3. and three. They still have South Dakota – They excuse me, they still have North Dakota State on their schedule, which is going to be very tough for them to win. I know the game is in Carbondale, but it still would be very tough for them to win that game. They are in a must-win situation for next week. It is a killer for Southern. And uh, Illinois State has been quietly coming back. They're rebuilding the Redbird program. They remember in the early portion, about 10 years ago, they had one of the top programs in all of FCS in the country and developed some really good players and kind of been falling on hard times the last five years or so. Oh, boy, they're coming back. They beat Indiana State, who, by the way, Indiana State, give them credit, vastly improved the uh, the Sycamores vastly improved they've done a really good job there they've been competitive in their games so no gimmies uh no gimmies in the valley the way that it's working right now and Missouri State's done and Bobby Petrino you can launch him out of a cannon they lose to Northern Iowa yes that Bobby Petrino is coaching at Missouri State if you weren't aware and uh, they were supposed to be doing big things this year they were top 10 preseason in the FCS and uh 
They are just an absolute dumpster fire. They're a dumpster fire in all of their sports, but for some reason, there's a huge push to get Missouri State in the FBS. God knows why. God knows what they've done to deserve to go to that level, but anyway, won't be talking about that one. That seems to be all the rage now. All of these mid-major schools, like you see how successful James Madison's been this year. They were an FCS team last year. They even cracked the top 25 in FBS this year. And then Kennesaw State made the announcement that they were going to move up to FBS as well. And I just don't know if that's for everybody. You know, uh, it kind of, the the number one thing, that we all knew when Marshall did it, it made sense. They were so successful for so long. It made sense when Central Florida did it with Dante Culpepper and the success they had there. It made sense when Appalachian State did it with all the su- success that came in after defeating Michigan. And they were a top program for a long time. But what people don't understand, there's a, for every Appalachian State and for every Kennesaw State, there's a Delaware who has been fantastic in FCS for years, who never moved up. There's a Montana who's been successful for years in FCS and never moved up. There's North Dakota State and South Dakota State who have been really successful, especially recently, who haven't moved up. And you see the teams that do move up who don't, who quite frankly don't have the success that matches the teams that I just mentioned historically. They don't. You know, uh, these teams in, in the Missouri Valley, especially all of them, you look at the attendance at these MAC schools and you're telling me that they can't put these Valley schools into the FBS. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why and how they divide the line. They say it's attendance and capacity of your stadium. It's money. It's what your alumni can bring to the table and what you can contribute. I think it's one of the most um, corrupt systems that there are. The NCAA says, you know, oh, it's very straightforward. So you can apply to be with these conferences and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I don't, and is it worth it? Is it worth it to like get in the Mac and play on Tuesday nights on ESPNU? I don't know. I, I, I really don't. Go to these bowl games in the middle of nowhere playing the Idaho Potato Bowl. I don't know. Anyway, let's talk about the games next week. Uh, We've got a huge one, 11 a.m. on Fox, number two Ohio State's at number 13 Penn State. And I think this one's a really interesting game. I actually think Penn State might match up better with an Ohio State than Michigan does. And I think a lot of it has to do with Penn State's defensive backfield. you got Porter Jr. back there. Um, You've got a really athletic group in the defensive backfield for Penn State. And Ohio State's got so many weapons, though. That's the problem with the Bucks. They've got like seven different dudes they can turn to. So you might sit here. A lot of these teams, you're saying, well, they just got to shut down, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. And, you know, and they'll be good, right? Well, you can't say that with Ohio State. There's like six other guys you got to stop. So Penn State has their work cut out for them. The game is in Happy Valley. So... And I think when you're looking at games like this, so much of this is the first five minutes. It really is. What can you do in the first five minutes? I know the retort to that is, well, Iowa got a touchdown in the first five minutes. And what happened? I think it's different because you're playing at Penn State. You're in Happy Valley. You've got the crowd at your back. And you need to plant a little bit of doubt. Ohio State hasn't even had to deal with any doubt all year. There hasn't even been a moment where it's like, oh, no. What do we do now? You got to find a way to do that. I think this game's going to tell me the most about Ohio State. I've been talking them up all year to the point where I've told you that I feel that they're on a different plane than anybody else in the Big Ten. I don't think there's anybody quite frankly close to them. And this feels like the last chance to prove me differently. I feel that strongly about the Ohio State-Michigan game, by the way, and we're weeks away from it. I I just don't feel good about it if you're a Michigan fan. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Rutgers is at Minnesota at 1.30. I hate saying things are a must-win. This is a must-win for P.J. Flecken for the Minnesota program. And it's not a gimme, by the way, especially if Tanner Morgan's not ready to go. Rutgers is a tough team. Like, they're going to show up. Shiano wants that big road win in the Big Ten. He wants to get to a bowl. He wants this program to move forward. He has higher expectations for this program than any of us, quite frankly. Shoot, he's got higher expectations than anybody at Rutgers. Nobody expects that team to do anything. They got the players. They're going to be motivated to win. I think Minnesota is going to cut through and win this one, though. They got to win the line of scrimmage. Rutgers is a pretty physical team, and they've got a couple really good athletes on that squad as well, so it's not a gimme game. 
Minnesota's got to win the line. It's the one thing they did consistently at the start of the year that really impressed me, and they haven't done it recently. They got to reset and win the line. Our big game around here, of course, are the Illini. They are at Nebraska. That game will be on at 2.30 on ABC. And I'm already dealing with a bunch of stuff here, by the way. I've got the worst thing of being in a studio. Oh, my God. I can barely move. Hold on. You're going to hear some stuff, guys. Oh, my God. This is terrible. So if you're in a tight space, if you're in a tight space and you're recording and you got an itch, oh, it's rough. It's rough news. So Illinois and Nebraska are playing at 2.30. There are no gimmies for this Illini team. They might be better than Nebraska, but Nebraska can easily win this game. Uh, Illinois has a fantastic defense, not just in the Big Ten, but nationally. And it's going to be up to the Nebraska. It's going to be up to Nebraska's ability to make big plays on the offensive side of the ball. I hate to sound. It sounds like what someone on like game day says. They got to get the points. They got to score. They got to throw the ball deep, and they got to score the points. And that's what that sounded like. But they have they have the playmaking ability on that Nebraska squad. They've got the they've you know they've got Trey Palmer. They got the guys who can make plays. They got to make plays. Uh, it, they just have to be consistent with it. And Illinois is not really a run-and-gun team, and Nebraska doesn't have the best defense. This is a really interesting game, and I don't feel good about it. I'm just going to tell you guys right now, I really don't feel good about this game. I just don't feel good about it. I'm almost leaning to thinking Nebraska is going to win the game. And maybe it's I just can't make the leap with Illinois right now. I just think Nebraska struggled against big play offenses, and Illinois is not really that. They're going to kind of matriculate the ball down the field, try to pound you. Um, and I, I think it's going to be really tough for Illinois to play their style of game. You know, hey, maybe they will. It's not like Nebraska's a world beater against the run by any stretch of the imagination. So if Illinois is able to control the line, if they're able to run the ball with Chase, nothing that I said will matter. None of this will mean anything. If, he, if he's able to run the ball, they're able to do what they do, and he gets you know his 180 to 190 or whatever he does, then you can forget about everything I just said. I just... I look at the Nebraska rosters. There's like there's athletes on the offside on the offensive side of the ball for them, and um, I don't know. I guess I guess you'd call me a doubter. I never thought I'd be one of those, but I feel like an Illini doubter right now. It's not a gimme. It's going to be an interesting game. It's a big opportunity, I think, for Nebraska to kind of get things back on track as a program. And I know Mickey really wants this one for the Huskers, so you know we'll see what happens. The other 230 game is Northwestern at Iowa, where uh, you might be better served wearing a blindfold for this one. This one's going to be on ESPN2. Uh, Iowa's favored by double digits. And I, listen, I know Iowa's got a really good defense. And when you look at the, the mistakes that Brendan Sullivan made last week, you're, you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, they're going to they're gonna pressure him into more mistakes here. That could happen, but, man, I don't know, man. I don't know if this Iowa offense is going to do well enough to win this game by double digits. I think you're probably looking at like a 13-7 Iowa win. But uh, I'll watch it for you. So you don't, you don't have to worry about watching that game. I'll watch. And I'm not going to watch the full game, by the way. I'm going to do the extended. I get like the 45-minute copy that I can watch at night while my wife's asleep. Uh, Michigan State and Michigan is always a fun game, and they're playing at 6.30. They're both coming off a week off, just like the Illinois-Nebraska group. Um, this is always a fun game, and it feels like Michigan State got something back on track against Wisconsin, and they're getting healthy, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, which should help them out quite a bit. I just don't think they look organized on the defensive side of the ball. That's what they've really struggled with. If you watch Michigan State, especially their defensive backfield, they've been a mess. They've given up a lot of big plays this year. Michigan's going to keep everything passing-wise within 10 to 15 yards, and it's going to be, you know, follow the ball carrier, be aggressive. State has the athletes on the defensive side of the ball to make the plays, to, to keep a team like Michigan in check who, who loves running outside the tackles. Um, we'll see what happens with this. This is always such a freak game. This is one of the few games where I, I'll put a dollar here and there on different games. By the way, I'm not a big gambler. I don't, I don't like gambling. I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, if I do bet on a game, and I hate admitting this, 
I usually put like $2 on it, $1 or $2. I don't go above $2. And quite frankly, it's because, uh, you know, my family has a history of some trouble in it and I, I just want nothing to do with it. So, uh, but it's fun though. I get, you'll never see someone get more upset over a $2 bet than me. <laughs> I'm just losing the $2 I get really upset about. So uh, I could only imagine if people like put like $100 on it. I just don't understand. But uh, Michigan, Michigan State's one of those games I do not touch with a 10-foot pole. I've been watching this game since I was a kid. I've seen every single freak thing happen in these games, and I am not touching it. In the MAC this week, they're kind of resetting because in the upcoming weeks, they're going to start playing some more games during the week. You're going to get those MAC Tuesdays back. Oh, who doesn't love a MAC Tuesday? And uh, out of the two games this week, the big one's going to be Toledo, who's going to try to rebound after that tough loss to Buffalo. And they're at Eastern Michigan. And the Emu Emus, as I call them, I know they're the Eagles, but I call them the Emu Emus, they can really make a statement with a win here and uh, see if they can step up to the plate and move to that next level in the MAC. That program was down for a really long time. So uh, for them to, to be consistent and be competitive the way that they've been recently, that'd be very big for them. Uh, Notre Dame's at Syracuse. Uh, Garrett Schrader is going to go up against uh, the Notre Dame, the vaunted Notre Dame defense. And um, Syracuse plays with passion, man. And you talk about a coach that was on the firing squad and questions about leadership. And they, you could tell those dudes love playing for that coach. And um, this is going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. They're playing at 11 a.m. And, uh, you know, the fans there are psyched for it. You know, they would have been ultimately psyched if they would have pulled out that win against Clemson last week. I was surprised with how well Syracuse played. I thought that a lot of this was smoke and mirrors. And I was wrong, man. I mean, they really, they really brought it. They've got a lot of talent on that squad. So that'll be an interesting game for Notre Dame as well. Uh, what else do we have going on? Oh, in the Valley. Oh, who doesn't want to miss stuff in the Valley? SIU has a huge game at home against Northern Iowa. It is a must win. They have to win the game if they want to make the playoff. And Illinois State, who's quietly put together a good season, is at North Dakota State. So we'll see what happens there. Um, other big games we're keeping our eyes on, obviously, number nine, Oklahoma State's at number 22, K-State. Um, you know, I would like to believe in Oklahoma State, but I don't like Gundy, and I don't think he's a good coach. There, I said it. I don't think he's a good coach. I love the I'm a man, I'm 40. I love the mullet. I like him. I just, I watch Oklahoma State games, and I am just like, because let's be honest, I think all of us as college football fans love watching Big 12 football. Isn't it great? that Big 12 football never lets you down. It's always fun, no matter what. And K-State's a fun team to watch. Uh, Oklahoma State's a really fun team to watch. But I watch these games, I just see some of the decision-making, and I'm like, dude, what planet is this guy on? I, I, I'm just not a huge fan of his. The other big game is kind of a sleeper game, which is Kentucky at Tennessee. And this happens a lot. Team gets a big win. They're at home feeling good about themselves. And then in comes another team ready to knock them off. And Kentucky's a physical squad. Boy, Tennessee's got a lot of speed, though, man. And they're special. And they're fun, too. Oh, the vowels are fun. So, and, and, and that's how cool would it be, by the way, for Kentucky and Tennessee to both be good at the same time? Like, how fun would that be? That would just be an absolute ball. Uh, you know, they've had great, great matchups in basketball for years in the SEC. Because a lot of the Southern SEC schools really didn't put basketball in a higher priority. Uh, and really the only team that would challenge Kentucky for a lot of years was Tennessee. You know, they were the team that would challenge in the SEC. You know, LSU had some good teams and obviously Arkansas in the 90s. But um, and Mississippi State had some good teams too and Bama. They've all had, had, had good teams at different times. But Tennessee was the one in the SEC in basketball was the most consistent of uh, trying to challenge Kentucky. And to bring that to the football side, oh, man, that would be that would be some next-level stuff. They both got fantastic end zones. So uh, I'll be looking forward to that game as well. You know, and I was looking through the rankings, and I'll be releasing, you know, my own. Remember, we're talking about the Dooley rating system. We talked about that a little earlier. We're going to be bouncing around. My top teams, you know, I've got a top five. 
that I think you can shuffle around in a lot of different ways. I think you can move around these five teams from a talent perspective. Now, I'm not saying who I would put in the playoff. I'm saying I believe these are the best teams, not deserving, but the teams that I think are the best based on what I've seen so far. I think as of right now, the top five teams are Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, and then, yes, Bama and Clemson. I think those are the top five top five teams from a talent standpoint. I have Michigan on the outside because I'm not buying it. And I told you that from the start. I like Michigan. They're a good team. They're, gonna, they're having a good year. Just they're not for me a team competing for a national championship. That's just not, I don't see it. Uh, TCU, I've got, I've got TCU with Michigan, two undefeated teams that still have questions in my eyes that I, I have, I don't really fully believe in. And then on the outside, honestly, if we're being, if we're being truthful, I think Oregon's got more talent than Michigan or TCU, but they're on the outside looking and trying to, to, to build their team up. I want to put Oklahoma State there, but I don't trust their coach. And then you've got the others. I call them the others. There's the others with talent and the others with grit. And the others with talent that I think have good squads, but I don't think that they'll crack their way into the top four are USC, UCLA, Utah, Ole Miss, LSU, and Kentucky. And then you've got what I call the others with grit, the teams that are just there based on you know, what they've put together the grand product of their full team. Uh, when you watch them, for me personally, nothing jumps off the screen. And those two teams are Wake Forest and Penn State. They're the others with grit. And then we got the Housets. I call them the Housets and the Housets. The Housets are Illinois and Syracuse. Like, how's is it that they're in the top 25? But they're here and they earned their spot. Let's be honest, they both did. They both earned it. And then there's the, the uh, I said the Housets or the Hoosets, and then we got the Whatsits, and the Whatsits are Cincinnati. I don't know what to make of them yet. You know, that the one game against Arkansas at the start of the year, they barely lost. You know, they haven't been able to really pull away from teams as well. So I haven't put a ton of faith in the Bearcats as of yet. But uh, we've got a lot of exciting games coming up this upcoming week. I'm really excited for Illinois and Nebraska. Obviously, I'm excited for Ohio State, Penn State. I hope that game's good for a while. Michigan State, Michigan's usually exciting. It'd be nice that that were an exciting game. And I'm really hoping these other games around the country play out well. Um, and then remember, next week's the big one. Next week, we get Georgia, Tennessee. Oh, my gosh. Make your plans now. Anyways, I hope everybody has a happy and safe Halloween weekend. I know Halloween's technically on the 31st, and we're going to try to record our next one on the 31st. And by that point, hopefully we'll have our new up-to-date microphone system and everything else that comes with it. We've been testing everything this whole week. And uh, once again, I've got some reminders for you guys. Please follow us on Twitter at Dooley Football. Stop what you're doing right now if you're on Twitter. Go to Dooley Football and follow me. For crying out loud, stop it. Stop being the way you are. Go to Dooley Football and follow me. Go to Facebook and search for the, uh, the football cavalcade and you should see it. You should see the football cavalcade. If you're a member, by the way, if you are already a member on Facebook, you can share it with other people. Do that now. You can say, well, John, I already, I'm already following you on Twitter. I already know. I, I follow the podcast. I have the R. I'm doing all this stuff. Well, then share the page on Facebook with your friends. I need some help. Also, I think I opened some donation thing. I spent a lot of time putting this podcast together, and I want to be able to put some more stuff to the podcast. I think I opened a donation thing. I'm not asking you for money, by the way. If you see something like that, I'm not asking you for money. I just have it there in case if you want to give me money, um, which helps. Money helps. It's one a wise man once told me, money isn't everything in the world, but it helps. <laughs> it does. So if you want to donate to a good cause, uh, because I spent a lot of time doing research. This week was not really uh, as research heavy as previous weeks as I've had. I've tried to kind of lighten the load a little bit and keep it a little bit more loose. Uh, and we're hoping to get more interviews and things like that in future weeks. So 
make sure that you uh, follow us uh, in the group on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast and let people know we're available on Apple. We're available on Spotify. Pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. And if you can't find us somewhere, please let me know on Facebook and Twitter and I'll make sure to get the service on there. You guys have a great week and I will be talking to you later. Have a good one and happy football. Talk to you guys.